Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to the Living History UK podcast, a podcast for the discerning and knowledge-hungry historians out there. You can support our podcast and get much more from Living History UK by joining our Patreon from just £1. And by doing so, you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive. But for now, enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Living History UK podcast. On this episode, you are joined by obviously myself, but also Danny and Pete. Pete, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yourself? I'm very good. Cheers, mate. I'm looking forward to this episode with you guys because we are going to be reviewing an event that we went to at the weekend just gone at the Black Country Museum. So, Danny, how you doing, mate? And what can you tell us about the event? Well, to be fair, I'm still totally chin-strapped. Coming back from the event and going into work, I know every reenactor must be experienced that, going into work on the Monday and Tuesday as it is now, after an event, you, you're rather chin-strapped and you're just hoping to get through the days as quickly as possible and get home again. But no, what a weekend. What a What a great way to get into the to the public scene, so to speak, away from our own festival. A fantastic weekend at the Barrett Country Living Museum. Now, this is one of those events where I, I it's one of those great events where for years it's been like a, a hidden event, but the actual site itself now is unbelievable. And I'm telling all of our listeners now, please, please, please book a weekend or a day and go up and have a look around the museum. It's become an absolutely amazing period site. Now, Pete, I don't know when was the last time you'd been there, but what do you think? It is fantastic now. The last time I went there was actually with Steve. Um, and that was the year before lockdown. Um, and that was for their 40s event. And we went there as uh, day trippers. Uh, so that was me, Steve, Bex also came as well. And uh, who else was there? Mitch, old Cole Mitchley, and uh, Leah Mercer. Was there anyone else there with us, Steve? Was it just that was it, weren't it? Or was Chuckles there as well? Did Chuckles come? No, mate. I think no. Was, that was just that was just say, it, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it was just us. So yeah. So we were obviously at the time we were doing um, BEF impression, 
so yeah so we that's what we were doing we're just doing like walking out dress and uh just wandering around uh black country and i i hadn't been there since i was at school that was the last time so that's going back a few years um so yeah so it was really good to get back there and have a wander around and um see see the exhibits and take it obviously have a bit more of appreciation for it now that i'm actually a, a grown-up apparently <laughs> um because <laughs> um, they they had not long started or they had started laying the foundations of that brand new street which has which only opened last weekend as well so seeing the end result of that um project that they had creating like the uh, 50s street that they've done or 50s 60s street uh they've reconstructed is absolutely brilliant and it's added so much more to the venue because all oh, it was obviously it was all like sort of Victorian, late Victorian into the Edwardian sort of era. That's where it sort of sat. But now with this, it's suddenly given it, um, you know, another venture and a lot more sort of depth. It's almost like the old town and the new town, so to speak. It is really amazing. And having been a member myself of the Black Country Museum for at least well the past four years, it's been tremendous to watch just how much has been implemented and built on, especially through the COVID lockdowns as well. And seeing that new street open was really, really awesome. I remember going to the Black Country Museum as a kid. I was about eight at the time. I went with my dad. There's a photo somewhere, I'm sure, um, of that trip out. But it really like captured my imagination. And something that always stuck with me was the roaming characters that, that they had there, which I've still got now. Probably not the same people, but the premise is the same. And that's something that always stuck with me. And I thought how cool it was to have a site that not only looked the part, but people who looked the part also. So it really captivated my imagination. But for the benefit of the listeners at home, Danny, can you give us an overview of what the the event was, what we were doing, and what the sort of um, setup of the display was too? Well, yeah, Steve, uh, the... The the ethos of the weekend was basically the black country during the 1940s and specifically looking at the efforts from the home front. Now, that normally, as those of you who follow the channel for a while, is quite different to what we usually do. We normally looking at the the the, the blade and tooth end of the, of the war front compared to the home front. But we actually um, working in close partnership with uh, Les Parachutists and more on that to come. We are actually portraying the second SAS at home prior to the D-Day landings, obviously in Normandy, June 1944, but the preparations that the uh, SAS were doing to their vehicles and their kit prior to their behind-the-lines secret operations. Now, where we were set up was those of you who are fans of the Peaky Blinders would be, uh, if I remember, it's Alfie's Yard. Is Alfie's Yard? Charlie's Yard. Charlie's Uncle Yard. Charlie. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I need to Uncle rewatch Charlie. it. Sorry. Sorry, I'm offending anyone who's a Peaky Blinders fan. Charlie's Yard. Now, Charlie's Yard, to, to people who've been around the Black Country, is, is basically the workshop center of the site where you have the big steam hammers, the canal uh, going in a bigger uh, mirandering around the outside of the site. But where we were set up in, was a large um, tin shed or tin barn, which was actually the original rolling sheds. Now, the rolling shed is where you put hot steel bars through two two rollers uh, to make round bar, and you need round bar to make chain, which is obviously the famous part of 
the black country is the, is the chain manufacture, which happened not just on industrial sites, but in the back gardens of the average working person. So which is really great about the black countries, you can wander around the terraced houses and the back alleys and the and see the working areas set up basically in, in people's back gardens. And we had uh, three Jeeps there, myself, Dickies and Dinos, um, in various forms of uh, preparedness, getting worked on, overhauled, prepared, uh, as they would have been in uh, in, a, in in May, late May, early June, nineteen forty four. Now, I only came on a Saturday. I wasn't originally planning to come for the full weekend, but uh, I know you two guys both did the uh, the whole sort of um, whole nine yards in that sense. But um, yeah, it was it was it was really really cool premise of like using obviously like the jeeps and all the kit that we've got to do something different on the home front. Like you say, that was really really a bit of a change, a marked change from, you know, what we typically do in the field. So that that was a nice sort of change of pace. But Pete, can you talk us through um, kind of what it was like on a Saturday? Um, let the viewers sort of know, I don't know, kind of what, what it was best, uh, what the best bits were really for you, what you enjoyed the most and what you got from it. Um, so from the Saturday, it, it was quite slow moving in the morning. Because um, when the, because they got like a queue 900 miles long outside the door. So it does take a little while for the public to work their way down. So we've kind of stood there and it's coming up to midday. We're like, where, where is everyone? Uh, then suddenly there's like, like a wave of people just sort of suddenly appear. Well, it's, sort of, it's, almost, it's almost like a bursting dam. Well, you start seeing this trickle of people starting to make their way through because where we were was in a very good spot over the uh, canal bridge. So anybody coming over that bridge, we could see them coming down from the top. But also for us uh, displaying, it was brilliant because they could see us in the rolling shed. So they knew that we were there because if that hadn't have been there, I think we probably could have gotten, got a bit forgotten about. But um, but yeah, so, but when the public actually then started rolling, obviously the weather didn't help either because all throughout the day it was scattered showers throughout the day. But... It was really good. The public were really, really engaging. And I think the highlight was like actually walking around. It was quite hard because obviously we're, we're, it's like a lot of these events where you try to go for a good walk around, but you end up not being able to see like the 10 feet that's in front of you because obviously you're there to display. Um, but the highlight for me was when um, a lady came up to us and uh, told us, she told my... Uh, my father-in-law was in the SAS during World War II. Went, oh, really? And then she had all these wonderful photographs of him and uh, started sharing some of the experiences that he had shared with them. Uh, so that was that was quite a special moment uh, for me on Saturday. Um, so, Danny, what about yourself, mate? Uh, the weekend obviously was marred by the weather, and those of you listening from the UK and not from South Korea would have been know that the weather this weekend uh, in the UK just gone has been obscure for July, shall we say. It's been off and on with rain. We've had bright sunshine, then torrential rain for 10 minutes, then sunshine again. So it was lucky in a way that we decided to uh, to move the display from the original location. We were going to be outside in a yard, turned to the shed. Um, so, But the, the thoroughfare of people coming through, it was nice in a way because as soon as people come down to site, the, the site itself is on a couple of layers. And as you walk down the site, you could see our display and you could see the vehicles being worked on, kit being checked over. And 
looking around the site, we were the only really fighting troops, so to speak, who had a display. We had we had the home you, your home guard, your home defense, um, ARPs, uh, and that lot. But for actual fighting troops, we were the only ones. But I quite loved the display because I loved loved the event, and I'm one of my highlights really, other than obviously meeting relatives and meeting actually meeting some ex um, ex SAS chaps who'd served in the sixties and seventies. It was just the feeling of the group of lads all coming together in the evening. We were in Charlie's yard, a brazier going, the light was coming down. We're all telling some crazy stories and telling some crazy jokes. And those of you who are around that brazier, all I've got to say is the blind goat. And that's all I've got to say. Uh, it's just you, you were looking around and you couldn't see anything modern. And you could literally, for, for a few seconds, you could actually feel like you were back in that that era so to speak and it was you know the lads around the fire having land the the on the saturday night we had our, our socializing hours shall we say when there was the black countries having their own music and bands and playing music but because the site's so big now it actually houses two uh refreshment facilities shall we say of public houses uh the 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 Elephant Castles are the newer one. And what's the other one called again? I've forgotten it already. Bottle and Glass. Bottle and Glass. So we went from the Bottle and Glass up to the Elephant and Castle. And then there's also various other refreshment stands on the way. So we had to obviously try their wares. And it's basically, there's a group of six or seven of us going around doing a 1940s pub crawl, which was quite a, a weird sensation to be, because normally you end up on most of these shows, you end up on your pitch behind your barbed wire or your barrier kit, drinking cans or going up to a, to a very overpriced beer tent. But it was, it was just such a nice experience being with everyone. And we, with the beer in the glass, with bass, the glass, the pub at the bottom, we kind of like occupied one of the rooms. It was a proper sawdust on the floor pub. Um, you know, you went to the bar, you only had two or three options and a bag of scratchings was your nourishment. Uh, and it was just great. The evening, you know, I was, we were saying, the was saying, it reminded us of how events were 10 years ago when it wasn't turning in, events weren't turning into World War II, the theme park. And it was just, have you know, enjoying the atmosphere, enjoying the friendships and enjoying the ethos of the era. Yeah, the evening was absolutely brilliant. It was, and yeah, like like Danny said, it was like those events we used to do like 10, 15 years ago. Um, it was almost a time we'd almost forgotten, but yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And and the thing was, it's like we got so immersed in the in our in our nineteen forties pub crawl. Is that really like the pub? We just didn't really notice the public there. We sort of got sort of like. Um, wrapped up in our own little bubble really um so we if we go out so when we went outside and that people wanted to have uh, photographs with us and things like that but apart from that it yeah we, <laughs> i completely forgot they were there to be honest because <laughs> the black country in the evening were putting on they had dances and bands playing so you had that music in the air and the public were coming on but i think the public in a way this was a new 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 public who'd coming onto site, not the your day tripper public, you know, mum, dad, and a couple of kids. These were people who were coming for the music and the ethos, and they were they were, they were, they'd attempted to dress up in, in whatever kit they were wearing. But I think we were, you know, so immersed in what we were doing and the and the, and the singing the the wartime songs and you know and stuff like that. People were people could see what we were doing, and they were kind of like immersed in the atmosphere that we had created. Yeah, because I remember there was. Um some public in the pub 
and they and they uh, were sort of sat in the corner. They were, and uh, they were like completely mesmerised by us because like, we started blasting out all these songs from the time period. Some clean, some not. <laughs> and they were absolutely loving life. They were sat there with these big smiles in their faces, just absolutely entertained by what we were doing. And I think for them, I think we made their night, to be honest with you. I think. And they even said, they even thanked us when they left as well. They went, thank you so much. It was all by candlelight. There was no modern lighting there. Yeah, that's the other thing as well, yeah. There was no modern jukebox in the corner. You could literally walk into a lot of those. Obviously, the up if you go up the hill onto site, it's a bit more modern. You have got modern lights because it's the 1960s part of town. But where we kind of uh, overtook, shall we say, or unoccupied, was the Victorian part of the town, which is more suited to what our era was. So those pubs, you know, those pubs in, in England during the wartime years were no different than 1900 as they were in 1940. So, you know, the atmosphere... I think the the public really really enjoyed what we brought to the event. I know it's already been slightly big-headed, but hey-ho. I have to admit, I'm really jealous that I didn't get the chance to uh, stay with you guys, not only for the Sunday, but for the Saturday night, because I I knew that you guys were going to be in for a good night. But I had to peel myself away from work commitments on Sunday. Well, well you did pop good. into the Elephant and Castle for three minutes to talk to me and Dicky, though. <laughs> when when yeah. you was like trying to stay outside, like, come in, come in. Oh, I'm yeah. just all be kit and that. I'm just getting out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit, little bit awkward entering a you publication. Did. I, I could tell it in your body language how awkward you felt. <laughs> Yeah, well, with an MP40 strapped to you as well, it's a little bit like, <laughs> yeah, this is this a little bit awkward, but okay, yeah, no problem. No, no, I said to us, how's the exercise going there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's, um, yeah, it's a shame I couldn't stay, but, you know, it's, I think touching on what Danny was saying, yourself, Peter, of course, as well, you know, it, it's a real, you you guys kind of turn it into an immersive event in that sense, which you you can't really do that at places like, you know, well, without naming certain places, the typical sort of World War Two events, you, you're just in a featureless field. It's the same with Napoleonics. You say the same all the time when you do a battle and it's just a flat, you know, sports field. It's so featureless, it's boring. But having somewhere like the Black Country Museum, you know, other museums are available, of course, but particular to this episode, having the Black Country Museum as a backdrop and bringing it to life is just priceless. And dare I say, it's what we're there to do. But uh, we did have a did have a very two very special things happen on Saturday. We didn't only have um, a birthday, which I'm sure Daniel mentioned in a moment, but we also had a visit from uh, the ghost of Colonel Maine. Oh, don't on that! Oh, you had to bring him up, didn't you? <laughs> I was in the morning when you're setting up all your display stuff. You're setting out all your all your bits and bobs, and I was setting up a sign uh, to say you know, display this way, basically, but saying MT Yard with a big pointy arrow. And I had this guy come up behind me, and it, you know when you get that feeling, you know when somebody's standing behind you, and like what's going on here? You know what I mean? I turned round, and um, the first thing I noticed, being a metal collector, the first thing I noticed is a a chest full of ribbons. And one particular medal I saw instantly pinged to what I what was being presented in front of me, and that was the DSO and three bars. Now, those of you out there who know a bit about the SAS or anything about medal collecting, you know, when you see someone with a DSO and three bars, it can only really be one person, and that is the the late great Colonel Paddy Blair Main, and I. 
And this gentleman who was at the show, he'd obviously done some research or done a bit of Googling, shall we say. And he was presenting himself as the the, the colonel, as, as Paddy, so to speak. Um, though I will mention, though, that if he is listening, please make sure that you're wearing your quad de guerre and uh, commander legion to honour after your defence and war medal, because they're in the wrong order. Um, but uh, the kit was of, a, of an interesting standard. Um, uh, I'd say closer towards the fancy dress element rather than historical representation. And that's that. <laughs> and we move swiftly on Uh, yeah I think that needed mentioning though to be honest but that is definitely going to have to not particularly that chat but I think it'll have to be a subject of a future podcast episode um, reenacting specific people or people with who have been awarded a lot of uh, medals let's say make a very interesting topic Uh, and have John do it as well Yes, yes. Good John, old Shanahan John Shanahan on people who represent Colonel Patrick Blair Main. <laughs> In fact, we'll just throw a shout out there to, to John Our Shanahan. international correspondent. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, top gentleman. I feel like I haven't seen him for a while since festival, of course. But yeah, our international correspondent, as Pete said. And we are going to be seeing him um, later this year, aren't we, Daniel? Is it Military Odyssey? He is, he, I believe he has already vet, voiced, uh, voiced the subject of coming over to the Big Isle. And he's been giving the semi-green light for Military Odyssey. Excellent. He must be missing electricity. That's why he's going back over. Bless him. <laughs> and running water. <laughs> yeah, as he always says. Oh, it'd be amazing to see him, though. But, uh, but yeah, so obviously I went home on a Saturday evening. You guys had a whale of a time on Saturday night. But what was what was the crack on Sunday, Pete? What what occurred? What shenanigans were afoot? Uh, so... Getting up with a, with a little bit of hangover, not as we we you know we were, we were all very surprised in ourselves that it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. So that was an instant win for Sunday morning. <laughs> um, again, like sun, like Saturday, it was it was a gentle trickle again. Um, they had already predicted that it was going to be the scattered showers again. It was all right. It weren't to be fair. It wasn't all that bad until sort of midday, and after we had the great storm of Dudley for about twenty minutes, and that really, really hammered it down. But apart from that, um, it was it was pretty. You know, again, like Saturday, public were brilliant, really engaging. Loads of people coming through, asking questions, looking at the bits and pieces, taking pictures, all that sort of good stuff as well. Um, but then we also managed to have a bit of a walk around as well. Um, because it was it, it wasn't as manic, I don't think, on Sunday as it was on Saturday, bizarrely. That's how I felt anyway. So um managed to have a little bit of a one actually get to have a little wander around and um and like the and what 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 took me the most is like how well like the shop fronts are all dressed. Um, it, it, a lot of time and effort and thought has gone into even like you know in the Victorian part and in their new bit as well. Um, yeah, I was really really impressed with that. But one thing I did see from like a, a living history reenacting perspective was is that just on the corner from us. So as you come out the main gate of what well, we'll call it Charlie's Yard, as we're coming out of Charlie's Yard, just on the left there's a little house on the corner and that was occupied by a home guard group. And I can't remember the life of me, what home guard group they were, but what, what drew me is that they did a really good um, public engagement thing with children. 
So it was like put out the incendiary bomb and you know um, put the um, sticky bomb on a tank sort of thing. And it was that was really good. I mean, it, every when I walked past, there was always um, a good family crowd gathered around it. So that was really good to see. Um, and they, you know, those blokes who put that on, they did themselves absolute credit. I think my highlight for oh. Sunday. Sorry. I see that. Uh, sorry to interrupt. That, that actually, home guard group. I'm, I can actually can can answer your questions and queries on that one. Oh, do it! That do is it. actually that is actually the 20th century revisited, run by my good friend and yours, Andy Bill, and his good oh, good, his good lady good. Becca. Oh, so no, I give a no wonder! No out. wonder they were doing a sterling effort. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I well, well, 20th century. I was, well, I'm still a kind of a semi member, but they're. They're a fantastic group of guys. Yeah, they they've realized they're they're an older group of chaps and they do home garden other bits and bobs. And that's what their interest is. And I must give a big massive shout out to Becca because she really looked after us when we were at the museum. And if the museum directors are listening, give her a, a pay rise or a Christmas bonus because she's an absolute gem of a lady. Yeah, she really did look after us on the Saturday night. She always like, you know, <laughs> she was always making sure that we still you know. <laughs> Do you, do anyone want service? <laughs> more scratchings. More scratchings, more bear. More, more scratchings, more bear. More table. <laughs> more table. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, so we after seeing that display, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I then said to Dino, I said, if he behaved himself all weekend, I'll let him have some Fred Dibner uh, nostalgia and I'll take him down the uh, coal mine. And I did. So we went up to the coal mine um, and uh, we went down there into the coal mine that they've got, which they've shored up and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, it's all safe to go through. Um, and that was really interesting. And I'd forgotten a lot of it. I could remember like, the scenes and things like that they had with the mannequins. Cause there's got some great little mannequin scenarios in there of life in the mine. Um, yeah, and the bloke, he was really good, uh, who took us around on the tour. And yeah, some of the stuff he came out with was really, really interesting. So what I didn't realise was actually on the site itself, there was actually three shafts. So there was the one that we came in, which was the walk, which was like the walk-in shaft, or they made it into a walk-in shaft. Then you've got one that goes down about 30 foot. And then he said, then the other one... The deepest it goes is 120 feet underground. It does. I was like, wow. I was quite, I was quite uh, taken aback from that because I never even thought they had any shafts on. Well, I thought obviously they must have had another shaft um, because of what what was being um, mined there. But yeah, I couldn't believe it. They had three. They've actually got three shafts on site. Absolutely amazing. And Dean enjoyed the mine. And Dean, and Dean enjoyed the mine. He found it very interesting. He got. Did he rub his flat cap in appreciation of a good mine? Um, well, no, because he didn't have his flat cap on at the time. We had the hard hats on. <laughs> yeah, so he he, he rubbed the, t- the brim of the hard hat in appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> in true Dino fashion. <laughs> I think I think one thing everyone who goes to the black country or it is, it's not just a, a collection of buildings that are little museums. What's really nice about the Black Country is you actually have the tastes and sounds of the eras that you're going into. For example, one thing that I think we have all repeatedly enjoyed and will enjoy more in the future is the fish and chips in beef dripping. 
Um, one there to make your heart seize up a little bit. But on the weekend, I know I know Chuckles had one, and I was desperate to have one, but they'd sold out. It was d- Spam Frisses in Beef Dripping. I had one. I think Steve had yeah. one as well. Amazing. Yeah, it reminded me of being back at school. Life-changing. <laughs> no, it weren't. <laughs> it just reminded me. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, school. <laughs> Your heart slowly went. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed mine. I thought it was really, really nice. No, I, I enjoyed mine as well. It, yeah, it was different. But yeah, but it had that. Uh, it sort of took me mind back about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> there's also, you know, obviously the, you got the refreshments there, but also they got like a bakery there that's making bread. So you got the smells of fresh bread bread um not for eating though and also the, oh, there's another bakery that sells cakes but and there was no lardy cake or eccles cakes was very upsetting coming up far north i normally get a nosebleed at least i want one eccles cake um but no and also the, the uh i'm going to remind you of a certain product peter that we had on the saturday morning which she'll never pass our lips ever again but in the new street where they have the butchers and they have the obscurity of the tomato sausage oh yeah Ooh. Yes, the light of the tomato sausage for breakfast on the Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds grim. You it can was, keep that. You can yeah, keep that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black country it, can keep that export. We the only think. thing I can put it anywhere close to, as in taste, was it. I like saveloys, but I weren't expecting to have a savaloy for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, when you guys said you'd have that for breakfast, I was thinking oh, I'm, I'm glad I uh, f- had something on the way from uh, Greg's instead, to be quite honest. But, uh, <laughs> no, but fair uh, to it's, it's nice having a museum that does all these things. You know, there's so many museums and places you go to that sadly haven't got the funding or the ability to mm. have all these activities. You know, for example, in the new street, uh, hopefully it carries on because it's fantastic to see. They in the new street they have hairdressers, and on the Saturday and Sunday and the Saturday evening there was actually. Um, barbers or lady hairdressers doing in there doing victory curls and stuff actually doing hair in a hairdressers yeah in. i noticed that as well because we, it weren't until the saturday evening we went for that little walk around while we're waiting for the uh pub to reopen because <laughs> they have that sort of looks so basically have like a shutdown period so the museum shuts on the saturday at their normal closing time so they've got to get all the public out so they can start seven, setting everything up ready for the evening do so it was during that period. So obviously the pub's got to shut down because if they don't shut the pub down, not only will we won't leave, <laughs> the public definitely won't leave either. <laughs> so um, they had to shut it all down. So we, that's when we had a quick, we had sort of had a bit of a roam around waiting for them to reopen. And we did see, when we looked through the windows, I was like, hang on a minute, that's modern hairspray and that on the side there. And yeah, then obviously we then realised, hang on a minute, they're actually doing actual hairdressing this weekend. So yeah, it was really good to see that, that it was actually being used for purpose. Absolutely. It's always nice as well to have the opportunity to go and look around, you know, somewhere like Black Country Living Museum, but also just normal events because... More often than not, we're just pinned to a display all day and you you hear about other groups doing things or other displays. You never get to see them. It's always a bit of a shame. You're kind of isolated on your, on your pitch. But when you get the opportunity, do take it. You guys are through the event, you know, always go and explore and see what's out there and, you know, network with people, you know, visit old friends, make new friends. It's always, always uh, worth doing because that's what the events are for. Now, that's probably a very nice segue to say that we went into the weekend uh, as Living History UK, of course, um, with our SAS impression. But we weren't the only group there. We were 
cooperating and coordinating with another group called Les Parachutists, which uh, Danny mentioned earlier. So, Pete, you've been a member of Les Para, as we'll call them, for a number of years. So this is probably best for you to take the reins. Yeah, so I've I've been part of Les Parachutists for, oh, oh I can't even remember now. It's got to be at least eight years now. And um, I joined just as it was well basically i joined them just at the end of their battle for europe days um just uh portraying normal infantrymen in normandy um uh, from the essex regiment um so when i well, i'd known them all for years i'd so all all like the key players in it i've known all of them for the best part of like 15 17 odd years uh, thereabouts um and then Basically, the Essex side had ended, but then it was then sort of like as a group decision decided, we, you know, we'll go into that grey area of doing SAS in Northwest Europe because nobody was doing it, and those that were doing it weren't really doing it at a standard. So we thought, hang on a minute, with our enthusiasm and all the rest of it and knowledge and all that, um, we could actually make something of this, and we did. So, um, yeah, so since you know. Oh, eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, we've been portraying uh, the first uh, or second SAS, depending on what what our scenario was at the time of that of that event. So, because of that, um, that where they've been so well established, and obviously I've been a ma- member of them for a long time, so they're very aware of Living History UK and obviously the SAS element of what we did um, or what we portray um through our living history side of things um but it it became um what's the word it became clear to me and danny uh while we were there the weekend that it after speaking with with uh dicky who runs les power um that it it just made sense just to pull the resources in um, because you know, with us together like this, uh, so much more can be achieved. Um, so the decision was taken that weekend that the living history side, living history UK side of doing SAS living history is actually now merged with Les Parachutists and all those lads um from Living History UK who did SAS and now fully fledged paid up members of Les Parachutists. So so everybody now, so whenever we go and do a SAS gig or do go and do Living History as SAS during the Second World War, it will be as Les Parachutists. Obviously, myself, Steve and Danny are still going to be there. So, you know, we'll tell you when we're going to be there. But it won't be a Living History, like a Living History UK um, event. It'll be Les Parachutists. And obviously, but we're still going to be there doing our thing. Yeah, it, it, it came obvious to us that, you know, trying to, to, to do um, the channel and, and, and out, in a way we want to use the channel to be the voice in the darkness for all the groups out there and trying to, and trying to be organize our own impressions um, and do our own book, our own events to attend events. Don't worry, we're still organizing events in the future, but attending events as a Living History UK, Living History UK does. SAS Living History UK does 69th Miss Tim Repair Depot. Living History UK does uh, First World War. It was becoming too difficult 
administrative wise, especially when we're working with such great friends as Les Power. We we it was you know the difficulties like a victory show last year. We were booked in as SES in France, Living History UK slash Les Power. And it just got too complicated. Um, at the end of the day, we were near enough all singing off the same song sheet. So coming under the same umbrella when doing our SES impression, it just made perfect sense. And it does, you know, like-minded people. We're all good friends anyway. We're all working towards the same objective. It's, I've seen it with Napoleonics and many other time periods before where you'll get, for instance, loads of different groups doing the 95th Rifles as it happens, or maybe if you're into, you know, your American 101st, we've got loads of groups that do all that. But when you've got like-minded people with the same outlook on, on living history, it makes sense to just come together and just sing off the same hymn sheet and just work as one because it makes a much better experience for people who are visiting and what they see rather than just seeing one man and his dog sort of thing. You get to see the whole shebang. And for us taking part as well, it's so much better when you've got a few of you around. You know, you've not only got quantity, but you've also got quality too. So it makes total sense. And I'm really looking forward to some of the uh, future events we've got coming up with Les Para as part of Les Para, of course. Big shout out to those guys of you know who listen to the podcast as well. And we're going to be at Military Odyssey, which is one of Pete's favourite events of the year, his highlight event, I believe. Um, and then we're going to be at the Victory Show again, as well as SAS. And also we have Ways Festival, of course, uh, Al Marie and uh, James Holland uh, fame indeed. But uh, Danny, what event are you looking forward to the most before the year's out? And Pete, we're going to come on to you soon after. Well, I, th- I think the the year, the event of the year, and I know I missed it for about I mean, 10 years when I went into semi-retirement. I do personally love the Victory Show. I just love the fact of the, it all being one era, you know, and where we are last year, I really love being in the woods, but then you get a low-flying aircraft, you know, uh, nothing, being 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 XRAF, I love the sound of good aircraft and good engines and getting one flying overhead stupidly low always gets the heart of flutter, so to speak. But then also having pulled in old connections from years ago and be able to get the fantastic photographs, I think everyone who listens to this podcast have seen, of us outside Keith's Dakota on the Jeeps and hopefully this year recreating it with, say, four, five Jeeps and crews. Oh, that'd be mega. I have to admit, Danny, I do do uh, agree with you on the Victory Show being my favourite show of the year as well, and I've said it loads of times, but it's one of those events that's been a constant over many years. Um, but Pete, I, I know you're going to say um, Military Odyssey, so uh, yeah, uh, prove me wrong. Naturally, it is Military Odyssey. Military Odyssey is the best show of the year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I won't say, obviously, because that's just a given, because um, that's always going to hold a very special place for me. Um, I'm quite looking for We Have Ways. I'm very interested to see how that operates and how that weekend goes, because I'm, I am very looking forward to seeing seeing what, what is actually there, because um, it's been on a couple of years, but I've never been, so this will be my first time there, so I'm, I'm, I'm very looking forward to that experience. Um, and then the other one I'm, I am looking forward to is Christmas Truce. So once we've got the final confirmation that it is happening this year, um, I am looking forward to getting back over to Belgium for Truce. Some good, good choices, and I have to admit, we have Ways Festival won't disappoint. It was really, really good. 
uh, last year. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's it's a really unique event. It's much akin to the Living History UK Festival, you know, the lectures, the talks, the quality of groups there and so forth. Really, really good guys. You're going to enjoy it. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the events we've got this season. Of course, we've got some of the SAS events. We've got some, a couple of Civil War ones in there as well. Pete's mentioned we've got the uh, Christmas Truce World War One event, which is going to be really, really cool uh, over at Prize Point. It's definitely worth going to and being a part of if you can. Uh, but also, we've started planning some events for next year. We've got some really exciting ones in. Some guys, um, uh, some events I'm sure you guys can probably guess at, but we do have a special immersive event uh, in the pipeline as well. But more info on that on our channels in due course. But that does lead us very nicely to the end of this rather special episode. They're all special episodes in their own right. But this was special because it was the uh, the dawning of a new era with our SAS impression and coming together with Les Parra, but also because we got to uh, have an, well, host an event with the fantastic Black Country Living Museum. So, guys, make sure you check out the link in the description of our podcast. Do support us via Patreon if you can. It helps to keep the podcast going. If you've got any questions or any topics you'd like us to cover, then get in touch with us. Make sure you go and visit the Black Country Living Museum as well. And uh, in due course, if you do do come and see us at any events, then come over and say hello and let's geek out about military history because that's what we're here for and that's what it's all about. But until next time, keep history alive. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, then why not send us a PayPal donation? All donations help us pay to host the podcast and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question or even a subject matter for the podcast, join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.